here we are now with another episode of the Andrew Lake podcast. My name is Dosta, and today we begin a series. And this series is entitled Learning to Breathe. I think there's not enough people who know how to breathe, so I thought I'd start offering up my advice on how to breathe. (laughs) No, of course not. That's not the angle we're taking here. I'm playing. Of course, what I really mean is how to breathe as a meditative technique. In this series... I decide to, I plan to, I have will, I have will, play out, lay out, explain, tell tales of every breathing technique that I know of to date. And this is why it's a series. This is why it's going to take a number of sittings for us to get through all this material Because learning to breathe, as you apparently already know how to do, as simple as it is, is a very vast subject. It's a rich world of meditative techniques and state-transforming, mood-transforming, emotion-transforming techniques. So, with The initial introduction to this series, there are a few things you're going to need throughout the entire series. And the first and most important thing is to understand that the simple is actually the deep. And the simple is actually the vast. And something very simple can have a lot of different aspects to it. It's multidimensional. It's rich. It's got lots of ins and outs, lots of opportunities, lots of ways of opening things up for you. So something as simple as breathing, something you've apparently done All your life is going to be our thing, which is opening up to worlds of other ways of being, of experiencing, of changing your inner world and even your outer world. And you'll be surprised, maybe just at this moment, take a quick inventory list, do a quick check of how you feel about breathing. Whether you can get interested in something to do with breathing. Check how curious you can be as to how many different things there are that are related to breathing. Not even just meditative techniques, but all sorts of things. Anything that you can think of, anything that you can come up with, where you can say, yes, that comes into the category of breathing. 
Now, keep this in mind as we go along. This is a key point. That you see how breathing is. And you can see how things open up for you as you learn these techniques. And really, the most fundamental insight for breathing techniques is that if you can learn one thing and you can learn the most simple thing, then you can learn anything. If you could just know how to breathe, you could know how to live. Now, there is another thing, which is that for a lot of these techniques, I will be demonstrating and talking you through them. So the advice here is to do them along with me and to follow the instructions. At least that way you can sample every breathing technique that we discuss in this series. At least take the time to concentrate and be engaged enough to be taking it on board and trying it. Now, of course, there's so many that some of them will jump out more for you than others. And some of them are applicable to certain things and not other things. So there are specific realms and specific outcomes and effects that they have. So it's up to you to know where you're at, what you're interested in, what you need next, what you're interested in. But at least as we talk through them, at least as I explain them, try them out and follow the instructions. I hope you're engaged enough for all these talks to at least follow the instructions while we're talking about them. And it's up to you if you want to try them again later on. Of course, with any technique, to perfect it and to get it deep and to really see what the juice of it is, you do need to practice it. For a lot of these breathing techniques, it won't be enough just to do it along once for you to know how far it goes. Now, every path you have to walk a little bit of a way to see, to start to get a picture of what it might do for you. So try them out and at least have an idea of things that you might want to try outside of listening to me here. And I'm sure there will be at least some that jump out at you because there's so many. There's such a wonderful variety, such a deep, rich amount of breathing techniques for so many parts of life. Now, another few things to keep in mind throughout this series is well another thing is this this trio now this is the trio of breathing and it's heart rate blood pressure and your respiratory system you'll notice that these are the three things we're working with throughout the series every breathing technique works with these things your heart rate which is how fast your heart is beating your blood pressure, which is how your blood is circulating, how your blood cells are functioning, how it feels to be in your skin. There's a sensation that goes with blood pressure. And your respiratory system, your lungs, your airwaves, your air tracts, 
the breathing, breathing as a biological process. This is the subjective, sorry, the objective, empirical side of breathing. Now, we're going to look at it from every angle, of course. We're going to look at it from states. We're going to look at it from behavioral. We're also going to look at it as phenomenological and also the, the subtleties of the experientialism, experience, the experiential side of it. And we're also going to look at how it affects your, your interactions with other parts of yourself. So there's a wide range of things that can happen with, with all these respiratory and blood pressure and heart rate, this trio. And the other thing that we sometimes add to those is one, one way of looking at this is of energy. So when we say energy is flowing through the body, that draws a similar correlation with having oxygen flow through the blood and having your muscles and your fascia and your skin being oxygenated or your organs oxygenated. And then also there's skin sensitivity. Now this one is a bit funny. It might seem a little bit out, but there is a correlation between your breathing ability or your breathing awareness and your skin sensitivity or more broadly your touch sensitivity and even your sensitivity to existence, your sensitivity to things that are beyond touch, things like emotions, other sensory perceptions, your sensitivity with sight, your sensitivity with the environment that you're in or the situation that you're in. So keep that in mind. And also I'll come back again to this. Well, I'll, I'll, hit, I'll hit at this nail from another angle. And this is that the idea that if you can learn one thing right and then you can learn anything. And it, it, there's another way of saying this, which is that a meditative technique or an awareness technique and these, this is what these are, these breathing techniques, what they do is they take one aspect of your experience or they take one thing and it's a very small thing and they see how deep it can go and they get you to repeat the technique over and over and over again and by doing the repetitions, it takes you somewhere within that small thing. And this has a deep logic to it, which is that if we're talking about changing your experience of reality or how you feel about life or what it's like to be you, these things are really big and complex. It's like, well, where to start? Do I start with my emotions or my daily routine or my thoughts? There's so many different ways you can go about it. There's so many different parts to me. And not all of them I am aware of. Not all of them I can see so clearly. And I don't know which ones are really hurting me the most or the best or what I want. So with a breathing technique and with awareness techniques in general, we take just a small part and then we work with that. We break it down into a tiny, 
tiny little thing. Instead of trying to change your entire existence, let's just change your breathing. Let's just do one thing at a time. And in fact, actually, it is the quickest way to change your entire existence, which is to change just one small part of it. There was a man that I met last year who had just come out of six months of silence. He'd been sitting in a room staring at a white wall for six months continuously and not spoken a single word. And I was talking with him. He became a a good friend of mine. He's a, a wonderful human being, amazing man. And I was talking with him about his experiences and I said, well, what techniques did you do? You must have done many techniques. You must have done many meditative practices. You must know them all by now because you've spent six months doing it. And he said, no, I only did one thing. I only did one meditation. And I said, well, what was it? And he said, it was watching the moment between the out-breath and the in-breath. And this blew my mind. This was amazing. To hear him say this completely changed what I thought about meditative techniques and elaborate designs and complex awareness techniques and processes. He didn't even do a breathing technique. He was only focusing on a part of the breathing. And of course, my next question was, well, did your breathing change? And he said, no, I didn't even change the breathing. I didn't even do that. It was a complete, non-interactive, non-doing thing. I was just watching that one moment, which is between the out-breath and the in-breath. And of course, I knew he'd had many things open up. If you do that for six months, then things it's it's unimaginable what sort of experiences happen to someone's inner world when they're doing this and the most he could he could share with me when we were talking about it was that he said you really become a different you become a different being you become a different entity and the things that happened around this man like the way he interacted with people and the things he did the way he talked the sorts of situations he would find himself in, the things that would happen. It was really, he was really a remarkable human being. And it's quite hard to describe and appreciate in just a few words how amazing it is to meet someone who's highly sensitive and obviously a a lot more aware than everyone else in the room. And of course, I was lucky enough to be to meet him in a place where there were people around who knew that every, sort of everyone knew he was more aware than them. It was sort of like this this thing. And I remember someone, one of my friends coming up to me and she said about him that he was a, uh, what did she say? He's like a, He's a king to us, but he's a beggar to himself. Something like that. So he's, he's no, like to him, 
He's nobody. He's nothing. And yet all these people around him were were thinking, wow, there's this incredible human being and we all know he's so much more switched on. And yeah, so that, that was an experience that really helped me get in touch with this idea that the smallest thing is the deepest thing. And a simple thing can be a vast thing. Even, it's as, even if it's as simple as a breathing technique. Now, there is also more the philosophical side of breathing, which is where you take breath as a metaphor for existence. And that would be the coming in as expanding and the blowing out of the contracting. And if you take a look at our universe, then there's a pattern of the entire universe expanding, and some say even the entire universe contracting, or it may have contracted completely in the end or the beginning, whichever one you want to say. So this expanding and contracting is a pattern which you can thread throughout all parts of existence. And you can see it in so many different ways. You can see it in planets. You can see it in animals. You can see it in how mountains are formed, how the waves flow on the ocean, in, na- in nature as well. And also not even in just like nature with in terms of the biology or the biosphere, but also in the noosphere of man and his machines. There's, there's also patterns there of life and death. So this, this breathing in of life and this exhaling of death, this is a philosophical metaphor which... I don't want to spend too much time on, but I just wanted to acknowledge that it's there. So when you breathe in, you come to life. And when you breathe out, you die. And the sensitivity or the path of breathing techniques to sensitize yourself to that drama is akin to becoming sensitive to the drama of what it means to exist, which means that you come into existence and you realize that you're going to die, you're going to go out of existence one time. So, of course, this gets back to the thing of like, well, I exist and I know I'm not going to exist, so what can I do to learn that better? Or what can I do to delve into that territory and understand it more or experience it better or ex- or explore things what do i do and it's like well these are such big things they're such complicated things that you can break it down and break it down into something simpler which draws a correlation like breathing so if you can see if you could only see that breathing in is coming to life and exhaling is dying then you could be fully aware of your existential and existential nature and your mortality. There's also a lot of poetry around the breath and sim- the symbolism of the breath and the 
well, not just in poetry, but in literature and movies and even in popular culture, there's a, there's a symbolism to the breath, which is the, the birth and the, the coming out of a world. And this image of someone in water and they're floating up and they're about to suffocate, are they going to die? And then they, the, the camera pans to the tension of the, uh, the surface of the water and their head bursts through and they take this big, <gasps> big gasp for air and it's a big relief. That scene, that imagery is in many movies and it's in many stories and it comes up again and again as the, the climax or the, the symbolic breaking free of a, of a character into a new world or a, the resolving of a tense experience or a, a string of dramas. So birth is, is one way of looking at it, but also birth more specifically or more archetypically in terms of a more archetypal side kind of story way of talking. It's like coming into a new world or breaking free from an old world. And so breathing has that metaphorical, philosophical correlation there as well. So keep that in mind. So now I'd like to introduce our first breathing technique. And this is foundational. You really must know how to do this and have at least a bit of a bit of an idea of how it works and to have tried it at least a few times and to be able to do it at least in an amateur sort of way for other breathing techniques to work. It might be the case that you've never done any breathing techniques whatsoever. And if that's the case, you need to start with this one. In a sense, all breathing techniques use this first technique. It's a, it's a foundational one. And so if you can get a hang of this deeply, really well, and you can do it and achieve it and build up a, a strength in it or an awareness in it or an ability in it, then the other ones will be a lot easier. If you get one technique deeply and it's this one, then the other ones will flow much more easily. So this is four-part breathing. Now, you've probably heard about this before by no means, and you can probably imagine what it is. But don't underestimate how powerful it is and how deep it goes. So four-part breathing starts, well, in a nutshell, you have your in-breath, you have a hold, and then you have an out-breath, and then you have a hold. And those are the four parts. Breathe in, hold, breathe out, hold. Now, of course, you need to be able to do two-part breathing before you can do four-part breathing. So if you can sit and watch your breath, and by watch I mean sit and when you breathe in, you say breathe in in your mind, you don't say it out loud, and then breathe out. So if you're thinking breathe in when you're breathing in, 
and you're thinking, breathe out when you're breathing out, and you're synchronizing your concentration or your mind with your breath, and you can do that for more than 30 seconds, then you're ready for four-part breathing. But for some people, you have such a wandering mind that even just two-part breathing is too much. Now you'll notice, when you start to do four-part breathing, there are many different variations on it because there are different lengths of each section. Now, another distinction I need to make is this difference between active, actively involving yourself in the breathing or watching the breathing and letting it be how it wants to be. So we could say controlled breathing or uncontrolled breathing or witnessing and actively getting involved in the meditate in the in the breathing technique. So for two-part breathing you just want to be watching it. And you'll notice if you first start doing this, one thing you'll notice is that your breathing changes even if you try to not do anything. And that is something to tell you. There's a lesson to be learned there. When you try to do something and you put yourself as the manager or the person who's making it happen, then it changes how it's happening, even if it's something you've been doing all this time unconsciously or automatically. So have a go at two-part breathing and then four-part breathing. Traditionally, what four-part breathing has is a count for each section. And if you want to build this up or the best way to smoothen this out is to have an even count, so the same number of counts for each section. Breathe in, two, three, four. Hold, two, three, four. Breathe out, two, three, four. Hold, two, three, four. That's basically how it sounds. What you'll notice is that for some people, well, my teacher told me that for some people the out-breath is easier and for some people the, the hold in or the hold out is easier and it's different for everyone. For me, I found, I found that the hold on the out-breath is the hardest and I was really struggling with just that one for quite a while. So what I did was four-part breathing, but I only did the count on the hold of the out-breath. So if that's your situation, it's okay to experiment with doing the count only on one of them. Now, there's another thing, which is there's a staccato or a, a... a sharpness to a hold and a release. These four parts can flow smoothly or they can be jarring. And the best way to, to get in touch with this, with this is if you hold your breath, you take a big lungful and you hold it. And then you, when, you, when, you, uh, when you let that go and you start to breathe out, how sudden is the sound? It's, is it like a, or is it like a 
It's a bit hard for me to demonstrate. It's times like these I wish we had video component. But the the sharpness, and it will have this feeling like in the back of your throat, like the air has been sitting in this spot behind your tongue and your throat, or sometimes a little bit further down the throat, or other areas might include the top of the nose. So that release will tell you how sharp it is. Now, when you do four-part breathing, you want it to be round. You want it to be smooth. So this hold and this release and the smoothness between the sections will be something to watch out for. Another thing is that when you're doing four-part breathing, you want to be slowing the breath. This really is the key to getting deep into a different state and changing your state. And to slow the breath, the initial instructions are to do four-part breathing, but make your count really long. So it might be breathe in, two, three, four, five, six, breathe, hold, two, three, four, five, six, breathe out, two, three, four, five, six, hold, two, three, four, five, six. That's what the instructions will be to put you into a deep state. Hold each section or have each section as a long count. But to get there, the trick is to start with a short count. And this means that when you're doing your four-part breathing, do a few rounds where you're not stretching it. And it's very easy for you to hold for the number that you're doing. So you might start with three or four and then move to five and then move to six. So this can turn into quite a long meditation. If you're doing four rounds and it's five seconds for each, sorry, you've got four parts of hold, breathe in, hold, breathe out, hold. And you've got 20, uh, 20 seconds for each round because they're five seconds each. And you're doing each round maybe five or six times. And then each time you're adding a second, it can turn into a 20-minute, half an hour, 40-minute meditation. If you do this and you go through the process of lengthening your breath, you'll notice your, your change in your body. You'll notice this change in your body. Your mood will change. Your thoughts will change. Just having enough concentration alone for this, this is a concentration exercise. This is the great bonus. It builds your concentration. So building up your four-part breathing and going through this process and looking out for smoothness is key to having a breathing technique foundation. Now, another thing I like to do is when I've been through this process and I've built it up for a couple of rounds, I say to myself, okay, I'm going to have one or two rounds where I hold or I do each section for as long as possible. So that would be my, my personal best is something like 30 seconds. So that means breathe in for 30 seconds, hold for 30 seconds, breathe out 
for 30 seconds and hold for 30 seconds. That means you've, you've, bre- you've done a breath in and out once in two minutes. This is how you get deep. There's an old Sufi saying, which is, the deeper you breathe, the deeper you live. And we can talk more about things like the depth of breath and shallowness of breath. Now, there's another, there's another way of four-part breathing, which is, th- this is something you'll have to contend with with all these breathing techniques. So I'll, I'll mention this here as a general thing. But the idea that if you want to do four-part breathing and you want to expand the length of time, well, you think, I should take more air, right? I should take a bigger breath because I'm breathing in for longer. I must be having a, a, a larger capacity. And that's not necessarily so. That is one way to go about it. That is one thing to contend with. But sorry, I'm just getting tangled here. Where was I? Yes. Another way to look at it is that you want to breathe more shallow and you want to get closer to no breath. So the drama of large lungs or expansive lungs is is like this giant balloon that's just about to pop and then really squeezing it out and and having no air at all in there, that's just one angle. So four-part breathing can be done with both of these. You can do four-part breathing with the attempt to make it more large and expand your lung capacity, or you can make it more of a more of a soft meditative practice where you have less air and you really bring bring yourself closer to stopping breathing. And there are there are masters, there are meditative, I guess what what do you call a meditative genius or a medita- someone who's a yogi, I guess you call them, or or a, a sadhu or a any of these sorts of people who have done this technique for years and really gone deep into it, they can breathe very slow, very lightly. And the the state, now I haven't put too much emphasis on the state, like why would you want to do this? It's to change your condition, to change your inner world, to have the feeling, the sensations that go with that. And it's not really for me to describe what it's like to have one in-breath in the space of two minutes. That's, that's a personal thing to me. You just have to trust that there are things there to find that will be lessons or experiences that are only for you. So that's four-part breathing. Now I'll add another one, which is six-part breathing. And six-part breathing is where you have, it, it's, this, it's the same as, you're doing the same as four-part breathing, which is breathe in, hold, breathe out, hold. But what you do with six-part breathing is you add a point between both of the holds. So you have a hold where your lungs are full and a hold where your lungs are empty. And halfway through each of those points, you add this, halfway through each of those stages, you add this point where you say, relax, or you say, let go. 
doesn't matter what word you use. The point is the intention. You send the intention, the message to your body to let go. Because what you'll notice is if you're really paying attention to your body and you're doing four-part breathing, you'll notice that when you breathe in and you hold, there's a clench. There's a muscle use. Something is happening. Happening. It's a very subtle a, a, a clawing or a, or a tension. Then, when you breathe out, there's a letting go of the tension. Now, when you do this six-part breathing and you breathe in and you hold, and then you send the intention, you send the message to your body to relax, and you relax, but you're still holding the breath, and then after the second half of the hold section is complete, you let go, you get this small, subtle detail of the difference between clenching and releasing. And you start to separate these differences. And these are fine differences. They take a subtlety. You have to be really on the ball with your four-part breathing. To do this, to do six-part breathing, you really need to be a little bit, at least a little bit experienced with your four-part breathing. So it would go something like this. Let's see if I can get this right. Breathe in, two, three, four, five, six. Hold, two, three. Relax, four, five, six. Breathe out, two, three, four, five, six. Hold. Two, three. Relax. Four, five, six. Breathe in. Two, three, four, five, six. Hold. Two, three, four. Relax. Five, six. Breathe out. Two, three, four, five, six. Hold. Two, three. Relax. Five, six. So I hope that I know there were a funny few a few funny things in there, but that's how it sounds. And that's your internal world. That's how you're doing it. And it's easier for you to keep up with it yourself if you're solid on your four part breathing. So differentiating this intention to relax sending the body message, sending the nervous system message throughout your muscles and your posture and the concentration of the mind, synchronizing your mind with your body movements as the breath. These are, these are all details. These are little fine nuances that you get when you explore two-part, four-part and six-part breathing. And... Have a go at seeing how far you can stretch your four-part breathing. If you do it gradually and you slowly build up the lengths of time for your four-part breathing, then you'll be surprised that the, the more patient you are, the more you can achieve per sitting. And that's half the trick is the patience and the dedication to detail and the persistence in a soft way, that's, that's half the lesson. When we think of persistence, 
or we think of work, we often think of hard hitting and like brute force and I'm going to force myself, I'm going to, I'm going to use my determination to get into it. So your determination will have to come under the microscope when you're doing this and your dedication and your sense of work are also up for review. <laughs> your work is up for review. <laughs> the way in which you're working is up for review. So that's just some examples of how this technique can spill over into other parts of your life. Now, there's another one last component to four-part breathing, which is what do you use to count? Now, here we're just doing a count. We're just choosing numbers at any tempo, whatever comes to mind. Some people like to use a clock, so that way you're always doing seconds, and that way at least you know each count is gradually getting longer. Another way to do it even is to actually count slower. So you don't have to count four and then five and then six for each round. You can actually keep counting, but count slower. And that can take a, a very, well, if you're a musician and you have, you're developing a sense of tempo, musicians have this thing, which is their inner clock or their inner time. So if you're a musician and you're working on that and you have a sense of that, then that can help with your sense of time and your sense of rhythm. So there are other things too, and we'll talk about them too, but the, the normal ones are just count any speed you want. Another one is use a clock. And then another one is you can use music. So if you're listening to music and there's a certain beat to it, of course you have to use music that's suited to this. And there are meditative breathing counts and there are guided meditations that are, maybe I'll put some together one day and I can put these guided breathing exercises into a, a package sometime. Who knows? Who knows what the future holds at this stage? But now I just wanted to lay that out. This is the series, Learning to Breathe. And this is our introduction. And I don't want to overload you with too much because each technique takes time to experiment with. And it takes work. It takes a number of repetitions. There needs to be a certain amount of practice happening. And really come back to four-part breathing over and over again and spend some time. Do it as a part of your daily meditation as we go through these breathing techniques. Because if you can get four-part breathing nice and working and happening well, then pretty much all the others will start to work well quickly for you. So I can't stress enough the importance of four-part breathing. It's a really foundational part of this. And yeah, more generally, don't underestimate how much there is to come and how much detail there is in learning to breathe. So this has been episode one, and we'll be back soon with another episode. I sincerely hope you've enjoyed these words, and that's all I have to say for now. <laughs>